There's a huge reason to watch some of the remaining Reds games for this season, and I'll tell you why. I'll also tell you why the vote for this year's Reds Hall of Fame inductee was simple. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker, who is not with me today. He'll be back tomorrow. We've had some scheduling stuff. Sorry about the weird posting times. We'll be back to normal tomorrow for you. But we are the Locked On Reds podcast. Steve and I are lifelong fans of the Cincinnati Reds who have turned an addiction into information for you because we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and we are your team, your Reds every single day. Thanks as always for making us your first listen. We're free and available on all platforms on today's podcast. The Reds have quite a week ahead of them, eight games in six days. I'm going to tell you why there's a lot of hairiness going on with the pitching staff. Not sure they're ready for it. We're also going to look at, and I want to see um, what your thoughts are on this as well, but we're also going to look at the Hall of Fame class for the Reds Hall of Fame this year that you can currently vote on at Reds.com, at least up until September 30th. I'm going to give you the nominees and who my pick is because it's pretty elementary for me. And then, uh, but first, we want to start with the reason that you should be watching the Reds. Okay, every so often, you need to pay attention who the probable starter is because you need to watch Nicoladolo. If you are a fan of the Cincinnati Reds and you're, like me, very optimistic about the future of the Reds, really not taking that long to be good, like 2023, 2024, we're talking about the Reds being contenders again, probably more 2024, but next year is going to be better than this year. I firmly believe that. And one of the big reasons is Nick Lodolo. Nick Lodolo here recently has been absolutely phenomenal, and it's all been the curveball. I mean, his curveball is so awesome. If you watch him throw that pitch, hitters just don't know what to do with it. In fact, According to StatCast, opponents are hitting a buck 56 against his curveball, and they're actually getting lucky because the expected batting average on that curveball is a buck 09. Yeah, nobody's hitting this thing. Plus, he's got a 43.5% whiff rate on the curveball. That is good. He's a top 20 pitcher when it comes to the curveball in Major League Baseball in the whiff rate column. That's just absolutely awesome to see. He's got 46 strikeouts on that pitch alone. Guys just can't hit it. it it's so phenomenal to watch. And, and the way that it breaks too, like the, the numbers on it. And when you watch it, it's not as if it's just this huge hook. That's absolutely just, it starts at your eyes and it ends at your ankles. That, it's nothing crazy like that. It's a very tight break, but it's enough of a break that the hitters just aren't figuring it out. They cannot line it up. Plus, he tunnels it very well with his sinker. Now, his sinker isn't necessarily a swing and miss pitch. It's more of a pitch-to-contact type, as hitters have about a 270 average against it. But he's been able to really pair those two pitches together very well. He's not really throwing a third pitch. That There's reports on StatCast that he throws a four-seamer, but it really just looks like it's a sinker and a curveball. And he tries to 
kind of sprinkle in a change up here or there, but he doesn't really throw that pitch very often. So it's hard to say that he's a three pitch guy. So you would like to see him grow. You'd like to see him add another pitch, but the fact that he's got these two pitches that he works in tandem so well with, and the results speak for themselves. In fact, if you go back and I remember the start that we had a lot of concern for Nick Lodolo because it was almost as if he just lost. And he even kind of alluded to it in the post-game presser after his start in St. Louis back in July, where it was like he didn't have control of his pitches. It's like, And I think it was something where he just couldn't feel his fingertips very well. I, I It wasn't cold. Obviously, it was July. But I, I think it was just something weird going on that day. But we were kind of worried. How is he going to bounce back from that? What was going to happen afterward? good things in his 11 starts since that day of worry. He has a 2.8 ERA in 52 and two or 54 and two thirds innings pitched absolutely phenomenal pitching. And really, even if you look at the other stuff like FIP and all that stuff, he's not really getting that lucky. It's his FIP is 3.1 as opposed to 2.8. And a huge reason for that is he has 64 strikeouts compared to 18 walks in those 54 days. It's just absolutely awesome to see how well he has done in those games. Um, I believe, and I don't think that he's going to be at the top of the discussion, but I think he should be in the discussion for Rookie of the Year. I'm talking about Nick Lodolo and how well he's pitched here recently because he has really shown that he is a top of the rotation type guy for the Reds, even now. And obviously now because the rotations in such flux and you have all these injuries and the Reds just got rid of Luis Castillo and Tyler Malley a month ago. And so there's just all of this, uh, available real estate for a guy to come in and take over. But Nicola Dolo's taking over. Nicola Dolo has a legitimate argument to be the ace of this staff next year. I know we talk about Hunter green and the promise that he has, but he definitely still has to work on what his two pitches can do and a third pitch as well, because they just don't work as well as Nick Lodolo's two pitches. And Nick Lodolo has been phenomenal this year. Absolutely amazing. He should be in the discussion. He's not going to be at the top. Uh, the Atlanta Braves just happen to have every other rookie of the year candidate. When you look at uh, Von Grissom and you look at uh, Michael Harris, but of course they got the guy that's going to win it. Spencer Strider is going to win the NL rookie of the year. I don't know if anybody else that's even close to him. He's, he's been phenomenal. So there's no chance that Nick Little wins the award, but he should be in the conversation because he deserves recognition for how well he has played. In fact, if you look at his season, he has 11 starts of allowing three earned runs or less. He's had 15 starts, right? Yeah, 15. Yeah, yeah. 15 starts, 11 of them with three earned runs or less. He's a rookie. This is his first year in the major leagues. And he hasn't a, a blow up start. We've seen some blow up starts from guys, right? We've seen some guys really blow up and, and, and just allow so many runs to opponents. Nick Lodolo's not one of them because his blow ups, he's allowed five earned runs, which it's not a good day, right? You know, you don't want your starting pitcher to allow five earned runs, but Nick Lodolo's only done that twice. And those are his two worst starts. That's phenomenal. If you're a rookie and that's how you limit your bad days, I can't wait to see what you do when you're a vet. Love it. Absolutely love what Nick Lodolo has brought to the Reds this year. And he's absolutely worth tuning in for If If you're 
a Reds fan that has tuned this team out, if you're a Reds and a Bengals fan, that's just like, ah, whatever, it's football season, we're done with the Reds. Make sure you take a look and you see. Because if Nick Lodolo's pitching, you should watch him pitch. And he's pitching on Wednesday, but he was going to pitch against the Pirates on Wednesday. Firmly believe that's going to be another good start because he dominates the Pirates. Uh, Looking forward to that very, very much. All right. Uh, Coming up, the Reds Hall of Fame vote is easy. And I'm going to tell you why after I tell you how to make hiring your next great employee easy. You do it with LinkedIn. As you gear up for fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people that you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. So your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash L O C K E D O N M L B to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. Coming up tomorrow, Steve and I will discuss his thoughts on the Reds hall of fame candidates and see where he would cast his vote. In fact, like I asked you at the top of the show, and if you want to uh, participate in well in the Uh, conversation with us. Make sure you leave a comment down below here on the YouTube page, or if you're listening on your favorite uh, podcasting app, make sure you hit us up on Twitter. You can hit me up at Jeff Carr with three F's. You can hit the show up at Locked On Reds, and you can hit Steve up at S Offenbaker with two F's about who you'd vote for in the Reds Hall of Fame class because there's five guys. There's Bronson Arroyo, there's Aaron Boone, there's Francisco Cordero, there's Aaron Harang, and there's Scott Rowland. Who are those would you pick? In fact, let's give you, so here's the profiles that the Reds Hall of Fame set up for each one of these guys. We all watch these guys, right? We we know what we're talking about when we uh, are talking about Bronson Arroyo or Aaron Harang or Aaron Boone because we remember seeing them. But here's a little bit more context. For Bronson Arroyo, he ranks sixth in franchise history in career strikeouts with 1,157. National League All-Star in 2006, he won 14 games and led the league in games started and innings pitched that year. In 2010, he became the second pitcher in Reds history to win a gold glove. He tied for 16th, uh, he is tied for 16th in franchise history with 108 wins, and he's tied for 7th in franchise history in starts with 279. This is a cool one, too. He led the Reds in innings pitched for each season from 2008 through 2011. He won 14 more or 14 or more games five times during his Reds career. And he's the member of the Reds 2010 and 2012 Central Division Champion Clubs. I really love uh, the, the fact that you look at Bronson Arroyo. He was good when the Reds were good. Aaron Boone. He was a National League All-Star in 20, uh, 2003. I'm 
say 2023. That's next year. 2003. He's the Reds' most valuable player in 2002. Better read years, huh? He's in the top 50 in Reds history in slugging, home runs, extra base hits, and on base or and OPS. And he's tied for uh, back in 2002 again. He he played all 162 games, which tied with a couple other guys. He led the Reds in stolen bases in 2002 with 32. People forget he had speed. And I was there. I mean, he had a three-homer game against the Cardinals. I mean, that's that's something that's burned in my memory forever. And he was the starting third baseman on the 99 team that won 96 games and freaking Al Leiter. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, then we got Coco. We got Francisco Cordero, which you may or may not know. Obviously, you know Danny Graves leads the Reds in saves. Coco's second with 150 career saves for the Reds. He uh, led the club in saves each season of his Reds career. He was an all-star in 2009. He ranks in the top 10 in the National League in each of his four seasons with the Reds, including a second-place finish with 39 saves in 2009, his all-star year. He had 40 or more saves as the closer for the 2010 division champion Reds on uh, June 1st of 2011 became only the 22nd pitcher in MLB history with 300 career saves. Coco, obviously, he pitched for the Brewers, pitched for a couple of other teams as well, but he had a good career as a Red. Then you come to a guy, one of the most underrated Reds, I think, uh, at least so far as I've watched and, and as far as the teams that I've seen, is Aaron Harang. And honestly, I think I, I had put him up against a lot of other pitchers in Reds history because this dude just never got any run support. He ranks seventh in franchise history with 1,125 career strikeouts. He led the Reds in strikeouts each season from 2004 to 2007 and in wins each season from 2005 to 2007. In 2006, led the National League in strikeouts. That's right. A Reds pitcher once led the entire league in strikeouts. He also led in games starting complete games and tied for the league lead in wins. Finished fourth in Cy Young in, for the NL Cy Young Award in 2007. Um, Two-time uh, winner of the Johnny Vandermeer Award as Reds Outstanding Pitcher. Reds opening day starter for each season from 2006 to 2010 member of the 2010 division championship team. Again, one of the most underrated pitchers in Reds history. And then we come to the last one, Scott Rowland, two-time National League All-Star, 2010-2011, only third baseman in Reds history to win a Gold Glove Award, Joe Nuxall Good Guy Award winner in 2010, finished 14th in voting for the National League's Most Valuable Player Award in 2010, starting third baseman and leader of the Reds 2010 Central Division Championship Club and 2012 Central Division Championship team that won 97 games. So you look at all those guys. Obviously, Scott Rowland goes down as one of the th best third basemen in Reds history. It's always funny because I remember the story about him that like he could have been a Red a couple of years before that when he was a free agent, but the Reds just weren't interested in signing him, so he went to Toronto. And then they traded for him, so yeah, whatever. Then you had Aaron Harang. Really liked Aaron Harang, especially watching him pitch. I always thought he deserved a lot more credit than he got because he just never got the wins, and that was still very much in the 
in the era, not necessarily era, but in the period of time where as statistics go, we thought wins mattered for pitchers. Then you had Coco really, really good at a statistic that I'm not a huge fan of. Um, I kind of wonder how he would have flourished in today's game because there just aren't the ninth inning guys that we used to have. We don't, we, we don't have guys nowadays that it's just like, yes, he can only pitch in the ninth inning. And it always felt like Dusty was never going to pitch Francisco Cordero in any other inning except the ninth. Like that was it. That was when he was getting pitched. And then Aaron Boone, pretty solid third baseman. He's he's not like a dude that I'd I'd ever really rank as one of my top favorite Reds of all time, but he definitely had some good years with the Reds. But my vote, it goes to Bronson Arroyo. Bronson Arroyo is one of the 10 best pitchers in Reds history. Spot the line. He is absolutely phenomenal. And one of the things that makes him great, it's not as if he racked up the strikeout numbers, although, like we said, he ranks sixth in the franchise history in strikeouts, but he also, he limited walks. He, he's yeah, he gave up home runs and things like that, but longevity, especially now when it, it kind of feels like even the best of pitchers in the league go five innings. Bronson Arroyo routinely went seven, eight innings, just eating up innings. And sure, you know, those were games where he gave up three, four, five runs or something like that, but he kept the Reds in it because the Reds had a good lineup back then. And the way that he pitched, he was able to mess with hitters. He changed his arm angle on all of his pitches. He could throw a fastball, a three-quarter, overarm, sidearm, didn't matter. Or A batter did not understand how to approach Bronson Arroyo, at least on a consistent basis. I feel like Bronson was one of the most smartest pitchers that the Reds have ever had. And I'm not just saying that because he's a friend of the podcast and he's been on the podcast a couple of times, but I really believe that going back through, he was one of my favorite players watching. And I firmly believe I've already voted. I've already voted that Bronson Arroyo is going to make the Reds hall of fame. I believe he should. I believe you should vote for Bronson Arroyo too. You know, you do what you want with your vote. But um, if you want to be right, you're going to vote for Bronson Arroyo. All right, let's come back to the present here because the Reds have an insane week ahead of them, and I don't think the pitching staff is ready for it. We'll look at why coming up next. But make sure you know that you can follow the podcast right here on YouTube. If this is your first time, make sure that you hit the subscribe button and the bell to get notified whenever we go live, whenever we have a new premiere, things like that. It'll have a little notification pop up in your phone, and you'll be able to check it out as soon as it's ready for you. Plus, you can follow us on your favorite podcasting app. Thank you so much to those of you who listen. And uh, if this is your first time, make sure that you're subscribed. That way we show up in your feed every day automatically because we know that any way you can automate your life, that seems to be the trend of which we are moving toward. All right, uh, eight games in six days for the Reds. Yes, that's right. After a Sunday in which Justin Dunn did not pitch that far into the game, which after the game they said, you know, he's sick, not feeling very well. He kind of pitched through something there on Sunday, so props to him for going out and doing the thing. It just didn't quite work out. He didn't pitch very well and the Reds ended up losing, but that, the Reds bullpen is taxed after that weekend in Milwaukee. I, I'm not really sure. And you're talking about a bullpen that's taxed. You're talking about a rotation that's taxed because Graham Ashcraft, he's on the IL. He's got a rehab start coming up. 
on Wednesday, which means even if the rehab start goes well on Wednesday, he's not going to be ready to pitch until Monday in the majors. So he's not going to be available this week. Hunter green. He made a rehab, a start rehab, a start rehab, start yesterday. And reports are, he looked good. He looks healthy, should be on tap to start against the Cardinals on Saturday. I think this, because you're looking at this week and you can kind of lay out most days and figure out who's starting, especially if Hunter green is available to start on Saturday. You have Mike minor who's starting today. He's got a two start week ahead of him. He's starting on Monday should start on Saturday against the Cardinals. So then Hunter green should start Saturday against the Cardinals. So you got one start that you're trying to fill. And I believe that Tuesday, and I'm going to stand for a guy that isn't necessarily a prospect, isn't necessarily setting the world on fire by any measure in AAA, but I want to see Randy Wynn get the call to pitch against the Pirates on Tuesday. Dude's had an amazing story that I want to get through. He's a guy, he wasn't drafted, and we're going to get into that story here in just a moment, but kind of looking at the reason as to why it's Randy Wynn, you're saying, Jeff, this isn't a guy you've really talked about this year at all. Why are you bringing him up now? Because this is the point in the season where there's two things that are happening. You've got prospects that I think the Reds are just like, you know what? We're going to wait until next year to start their clock. Looking to Brandon Williamson. Plus Brandon Williamson hasn't pitched since August 28th. He's been on paternity leave celebrating the birth of his child, which is awesome to see, but that means he's not going to be ready to pitch this week in the majors, let alone in, you know, he, might be back in triple a at some point this week, but yeah, I, I'm just, the reds aren't calling them up. They're not calling them up till next year. Uh, Connor Overton isn't going to be ready this week. If he's ready at all the rest of the year, TJ Zwick, there's no reports on him. He's just, he's had back problems. That's it. And the Reds signed Luke Farrell to possibly be the starter on Tuesday for one of the doubleheader games against the pirates. But because of Justin Dunn's illness yesterday and him not pitching that deep into the game. They had to throw him and they had to throw and Luke Farrell threw 59 pitches on Sunday. So he's definitely not going to be ready for Tuesday. So you still got that opening. You got to figure out who's going to start there. Now there were a couple of names that were mentioned by Mark Sheldon in a piece on MLB.com. He named Raynell Espinal, who was a guy that the Reds got off waivers from the Cubs. And he also named Justin Nicolino. And neither one of these guys are going to strike any sort of just intrigue in your hearts. They both have ERAs over five all season in triple a whatever. And Randy, when really his ERA in triple a has been 5.01. So again, we're not talking about guys that are sitting in the world on fire, but Randy Wynn has a story that I love the kind of guy that kind of falls under the Fernando Cruz storyline. Like yes, Cruz probably isn't a prospect, probably isn't a huge part of this future, but to see him get shot, get a shot in the major leagues after his long journey to the majors is phenomenal. Randy Wynn is the same way. Randy Wynn was signed by the Reds in 2019 out of the frontier league. He graduated uh, college back in 2015 from Missouri Baptist and he wasn't drafted. So he kind of bounced around independent leagues and things like that, trying to build up his resume and, and see if a team wanted him. The Reds signed him, put him in Greenville, and he had a 17 strikeout game. Just an absolutely phenomenal dude down in Greenville back when Greenville was a part of the Reds organization. And he's moved up through the minor leagues. And like I said, his, his AAA numbers aren't going to impress you. If you look him up right now on the Louisville Bats website and see his stats, you're just going to be like, well, whatever, you know? Sure. Let's give him a shot. But I love the idea of a guy who came from nowhere, literally on no radar whatsoever, 
and now he's got a shot to make the major leagues. Is he part of the Reds' future? Probably not. But this is the kind of story that's going to be fun to see, and hopefully, you know, he comes up and he pitches well because he's pitching against the Pirates, and maybe he can just keep O'Neill Cruz off the board, and if he does that, then you're keeping the Pirates off the board. But when you look at a guy that's sure, some people are probably going to say, whatever, just put somebody there to start because who cares? I care, and I want to see Randy Wynn get a shot. And I want to see the Reds have yet another story. Can you imagine if that, that game ends up being Randy Wynn and then Fernando Cruz relieves him? That's, that's awesome to see that kind of thing. And hopefully they would end up winning that game. But when you look at this week, the starting rotation itself is taxed and, and stretched thin. But then the bullpen, like what on earth are they going to do with that? Daniel Duarte is supposed to be going out on a rehab assignment, hopefully this week with AAA. I don't know that he's going to be ready by the end of the week to help this bullpen out. They just sent Art Warren back down, so he's got to spend 10 days down in AAA before they can call him back up, so he's not available. So you're just hoping that today, with Mike Miner on the mound, and, and, and we talked about after his last start that Mike Miner's actually been okay-ish, recently maybe he can give you some innings give you seven innings hopefully i think eight might be a stretch but hey if he does it then that's great but if he can give you seven innings today then you only have to throw i don't know like maybe just throw alexis diaz for two innings or maybe you have joe kunal and alexis diaz go but, but, but these guys are so taxed at this point because they've been pitching so much and yes they've performed somewhat admirably, but at the same time, eventually a bullpen is going to give out. I don't care how good the bullpen is. You look at Milwaukee, Milwaukee had the best bullpen coming into this season, but they used it so much outside of, you know, Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff pitching and, and that bullpen fell apart. And that's why the Brewers are where they are. And they're pretty much out of it for the NL central race. They're just hoping for a wild card spot at this point. And when it comes to the Reds, obviously the baseline was far lower than Milwaukee. And we're looking at a bullpen that has just been overworked recently. And now you got to play two doubleheaders in one week. You got to play eight games in six days. There are no off days this week. So starters, whoever they are, have to give the Reds admirable and dare I say good performances. It's just a hope that we're not running in. I, I saw somebody say, well, maybe they have a bullpen game on Tuesday. That would be terrible. That would be an awful idea. And I know the reds are in the point of the season where you're trying to figure some things out with some guys. That's not doing anybody any favors. If you tell this bullpen, you got to pitch nine innings on Tuesday and, and, and more than nine innings, because it's more likely than not that, uh, um, Luis Sessa is not going to go nine innings. Now his last start, six innings or five and two thirds innings start was really good. And you love to see that. And maybe there's a bigger conversation to be had about Luis Sessa. But when you look at how the doubleheader on Tuesday is going to play out, you're going to need some relief pitching innings in both games. So to just chalk up nine of those innings to the bullpen already, that would seem a little bit foolish. I want the Reds to bring up Randy Wynn. I want to see this story played out in the major leagues. I want him to get a chance at his debut. Let's give it to him. Let's see what he's got on Tuesday. Call him up and uh, insert him as the starter. 
and one of the games on Tuesday. That's that's what I want to see the Reds do. Hopefully they do it. If they don't, it's not going to surprise me. All right, that's going to be it for today's Lockdown Reds podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out here. If this is your first time, make sure that you're subscribed on YouTube or your favorite podcasting app if you're listening to us. Thank you so much. Steve will be back tomorrow as we discuss. I want to get his take on the Reds Hall of Fame vote because I think it's easy. And if you listen, he might just copy me. I don't know. He does that sometimes. No, I'm just kidding. He, he's he got his own thoughts about the Reds. But I'd be interested to see if he has any argument whatsoever against Bronson Arroyo. But I think Bronson Arroyo is the just elementary vote for the Reds Hall of Fame inductee this year. We'll, we'll talk to Steve about that tomorrow. But now, thanks for making us your first listen. Go check out, uh, for your second listen, the Locked On MLB podcast. As Paul Francis Sullivan has you covered with his unique perspective and plenty of humor on all the goings-on and the big stories in Major League Baseball. That's Locked On MLB, just like Locked On Reds. Free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, Spotify. Uh, we're on a- uh, Apple, obviously. We're on Podbean. Uh, can't think of a podcasting app that we're not on. Check us out. Locked on Reds and locked on MLB. All right. With this long week ahead, the Reds are going to be playing a lot of baseball. So you can trust that right here on Locked on Reds, we're going to have you covered on the goings on each and every day. We'll talk to you tomorrow.